Thank you for joining us today. No doubt about it, God speaks to His children. That gut feeling we sometimes refer to is God speaking to His children through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we incline our entire being to Him, we will recognize the different ways He speaks to us. And when He speaks and we obey, He will order each moment of our lives, and we will be blessed and be a blessing beyond human comprehension. Have Bible pen and paper handy. Now, if you cremate, you got cremated in your will or with your relatives, that's your business. Nothing, it's not a sin or nothing. I was just sharing my That's Draper's position. But you're, but you're listening. You know, I, my body is mine now, and that body, you know, as it decomposes, it's still the, the Lord's. And the Lord's work, the Lord's working, even though my soul and spirit is in heaven. And uh, so I don't want to, I just feel funny burning up something the Lord has created. That's me personally. That's my personal conviction as related to that. But then they get the ashes, they put it in this urn, then they put it up on the mat, put it up somewhere invisible in the living room. Look how quiet y'all got. Good. That means you're listening. Good, good. And they put it up there and they look at, uh, hey, Joe. Joe, you got the biggest grandbaby. She's eight pounds, six ounces, 22 inches long. Joe, how you doing? Merry and the Christmas. Merry Christmas, Joe. And you and you're talking to that thing. And you know what? You keep talking to that thing. That thing gonna talk back to you. <laughs> Satan knows how to speak through images. Th- that's right. That's right. I had. <laughs> I kid you not. Uh, years and years ago, we had just gotten over here in this location, and uh, and this this lady decided to uh, cremate one of her loved ones, and then all of a sudden, at night, she she got scared of the urn. She didn't know what to do with it. You know, she put it here and it didn't work and she put it there and put it. She was just moving it all over the place. And finally, she going to come in with me and say, well, I'm going to give the urn to you. I said, what? I said, are you, are you kidding? What am I supposed to do? Spread the ashes over the land? You know, don't bring it here. Don't, those are your ashes. And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't mess with ashes now. <laughs> I deal with the living, <laughs> and I bury those who have died. But don't bring your ashes back if you made. So then you got to turn what you go. Where you gonna put the urn? And you sometimes it has a psychological effect. It's easy to make a god out of that thing because the the remains and the ashes are in there. And all of a sudden, you have a connection with it, and you begin to interact with it, and you begin to bond with it, and then you begin to talk to it, and all of a sudden, you got a relationship with it. And the devil gets in it. Look how y'all looking at me, y'all. Y'all said, I didn't think of all of that. You shall have no other gods before me. So you see, why does God not want any other God before him? Because he's our creator. He made us. He is the one and only true and living God. He is the supreme God. He is the superior God. He is the transcendent God. He is beyond comparison. He is, and absolutely nothing or no one is to be his rival. If God is going to hear and answer our prayers, we must serve and have an undivided allegiance to him only. Only. Number six, wrong motives will keep your prayers from being heard by God. 
James 4, 3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Some of you, you're, you're praying selfishly and God is not hearing your prayers. When the Holy Spirit superintends and direct your prayers, listen closely. When the Holy Spirit superintends and direct your prayers, our innermost desire will be to bring God glory, bring glory to Christ, which keeps us from praying selfishly with wrong motives and for our own personal pleasure. Our prayers for the glory of God, for the advancing of the kingdom of God, to be a blessing to people. So selfish motives works against your prayer life. Uh, Number seven, our lack of faith and doubt will impede our prayers. Our, Our lack of faith and doubt impedes our prayers. Now, faith... Some of you didn't know, let me just give you a little snippet of a definition without getting too deep in it. Faith is to place your total trust, your total confidence, and unshakable belief in Christ alone. That's faith. That's faith. You need that. Faith is to place your total trust, confidence, and unshakable faith in Christ alone. Hebrews 11.6a says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't even please God without faith. If you don't believe there is a God, then you already have a faith problem because you believe him by what? Faith. You see, we come to Christ by faith, then we live by faith, and then we die in the faith. It is an unwavering faith in Christ that removes our doubts. It is an unwavering faith in Christ that removes our fears. It is an unwavering faith in Christ that removes our anxieties and worries. It also helps us to maintain our composure in times of crisis, and we don't become a hot mess because of our faith, unwavering faith in Christ. We don't fall to pieces. We we don't become hard to deal with. You don't become angry at God because things uh, didn't go the way you you think it should have gone. Romans 4.20 says he did not waver at the promise, promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened, strong in faith, giving glory to God. One of Satan's greatest strategies he uses against believers is to get us to doubt God. That's what he did with Eve. To get us to doubt God and waver on God's word and his promises. Your faith in God and his word empowers your prayer life. That's a big statement. You ought to write it down. Your faith in God and his word empowers your prayer life. This is why we should saturate our minds with God's word, which extinguishes doubt and unbelief that will hinder our prayers. Number eight, not praying according to God's will hinders our prayers. Not praying according to God's will hinders our prayers. First John chapter five, verse 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, say anything, according to that, you say, I can ask, I can ask God to, for Mercedes Benz, for a, a Ferrari or whatever. Wait a minute. According to his will. 
don't just pick out the phrase that you like. According to his will, he hears us. So how do you pray out of the will of God? Some of you are praying out of the will of God and don't even know it. And some of you are praying out of the will of God. When you get desperate, you pray out of the will of God. But when you're desperate, you need to be praying in the will of God. Let me, let me give you some out of the will of God praying. How about that? What about, that's a spiritual twist. Let me give you some out of the will of God praying. God is not obligated to answer prayers that are out of his will. If you're going to pray, you've got to pray according to his will. Out of the will of God praying, actually, actually are some of these. Um, Lord, help me to win the lottery. Out of God's will. Lord, please make something bad happen to that person. Out of God's will. You're not going to pray, Lord, help me to love him in God's will. See, Lord, don't let me get pregnant while I'm having sex out on the wedlock. Out of God's will. Now, Lord, help me to wait even when uh, heat kicks in. You control everything I have, and I need you right now. When those times come, you know you're not married, you better pray hard. You know, that's in God's will. But now, Lord, I'm having sex, and I'm not, I'm not married. Uh, don't let me get pregnant out of God's will. Ooh, boy, look how quiet he got. Uh, here's another out of God's will prayer. Please let them leave their spouse for me. <laughs> out of God's will. Oh, it gets better. I, I God's will. Listen to this one. Please don't let me get caught messing with this other woman. Out of God's will. Lord, please help me to divorce my wife. Show me how out of God's will. Lord, give me the patience and strength to endure until you get through working on that spouse that I'm married to in God's will. Here's out of God's will Lord Please don't let me have to pay child support Out of God's will So much so that you in jail <laughs> Lord What tattoo do you want me to get Out of God's will Should I get another tattoo Lord No You got enough. No. Lord. 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 Please do not let me get pulled over while I'm driving tipsy. Out of God's will. (laughs) Why I have the buzz. Lord. Please don't let me get a ticket while I'm speeding. Out of God's will, slow down. Get back in the range of the speed limit. Why you speed? You know, some of y'all professional speeders. You know you speeding. Talking about I can go five miles over on grace. Who told you that? And you 15 miles over talking about five. (laughs) 
this what? Listen, this out of God. Listen, this out of God's will. Lord, please don't let Pastor Draper preach too long. <laughs> out of God's will. <laughs> Lord, help Pastor Draper to preach till the Spirit get him through in God's will. Lord, please let the service end early so I can get out on time to watch the game. Out of God's will. Your prayers must be aligned with the word of God if you're going to be in the will of God to the glory of God. And all God's children said, now that amen don't mean I'm through. a couple more and I'll be done for real though. (laughs) Number nine, dishonoring, disrespecting, and mistreating your spouse thwarts your prayer life. Dishonoring, disrespecting, and mistreating your spouse thwarts your prayer life. First Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, say what you want. Oh, that was weak. You had all of a sudden now you got to doubt whether you're a husband or not. Husbands, husbands, wives, go for you too. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to your wife. You also to honor your husband. You ought to honor each other. As to the weaker vessel. Now, don't walk, now, now, some people mock that, oh, you weak, I can call you, you weak woman, you. No, no. <laughs> that weaker vessel, that's talking about structurally and, and uh, body functioning wise, the man is typically, usually stronger than the wife. Sometimes my wife will come from the kitchen all the way into the bedroom, and uh, she said, well, can you open this? And I take it and I and pop it and it's open. She's been trying with all these little gadgets to open it. Don't mean she's any lesser than me because she couldn't open that. It's just that God gave me more strength as a man. Now, why don't y'all say amen? Amen. He made us like that. And my strength is to be used to be an asset to my wife and not a liability. That's right. That's right. I'm to use my strength to take out the trash. That's right. Use my strength to help do the dishes. That's right. You, God, your, your strength is to honor God in that house. Not to shake her and threaten her. You, you rascal you. Weaker vessel and being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Underline that. See, you mistreat each other as husband and wife. You form a blockage in your prayer life. What creates a barrier in the prayers of husbands and wives is when they devalue one another, they humiliate each other, they put down each other, they demean each other, they abuse each other verbally, and even emotionally. 
And most of all, physically. Not only would a man hit a woman, you got some women that they, they hit really fast. I mean, they hit before they talk. Don't, man, don't you ever, you look at me, don't you ever put your hand on your wife in an appropriate way. Don't you ever threaten your wife. Wife, don't you ever slap your husband's face. Because some of these men will slap you back. Sadly. Fighting and hitting and kicking and screaming and stomping and slamming should be foreign in your household and you're teaching your children and grandchildren to do the same thing. Straighten up and walk right. You need a spiritual whipping for acting a fool before your children. What attracts the... How many of y'all want the presence of God in your house? Let me see your hand. I mean, uh, even as a single... With, with single parents, how I many the presence of God? What attracts the presence of God in marriage and in your home? Let me give you what attracts the presence of God in your marriage and home. It's unconditional love. It's forgiveness. What attracts the presence of God is edifying one another, which is edifying, building up one another, which creates a beautiful environment for unity, a peaceful marriage and family. Let me tell you something, y'all, speaking Texan here. Life is difficult enough without bringing tension, stress, and strife home to your family. You out there in the world, long traffic lines, jobs driving you crazy, and then you bring all that stuff home and you blow up at home. You Before you get out that car, you need to say, Lord, settle my spirit down and not allow me to take out on my family what just happened on my job. Husbands and wives refuse to nitpick. If it's not cooked right, you cook it. That's right. That's right. You do it. Don't possess a critical spirit. Don't, heaven say, don't possess a controlling spirit. You, you God in everybody's life. You, you know what everybody ought to do. And don't have an angry spirit. You're just angry. It's angry. Your wife asks you, why you angry? I don't know. I'm mad. Instead, be a peacemaker and give gentle, soft answers. Tone your voice down. Don't raise your voice. I, I've been married Almost 42 years, I've never yelled at my wife and don't plan to. Most times she have to tell me, well, I speak up because I talk low most of the time. Y- y'all don't know, I talk lo- much louder in here than I do at home. She said, I can't hear. But uh, that t- I talk, but I talk low at home. And usually sometimes I'm trying to save my voice because I have to speak so much. My voice is my livelihood, you know. But I still need to speak loud enough to be heard, but not loud enough to yell. So, so stop yelling and screaming. It doesn't fix nothing. Be a peacemaker. Give gentle, soft answers. 
Proverbs 15, 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Matthew 5, 6 also says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, the sons of God, the children of God. Finally, but not the least, God will not hear your prayers while possessing an unforgiving spirit. Don't expect your prayers to be answered if you cannot forgive those who have wronged you. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. There it is, underline it, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, God forgave you, and you turn around and can't forgive those who've hurt you? God was forgiving people even as he was on the cross. Your heart and spirit have to be right before God And you cannot forgive until you are willing to overlook. You cannot forgive until you're willing to let go. You cannot forgive until you are willing to release. Look, overlook, let go, release. Let me say it again. Overlook, let go, release. One more time. Overlook, let go, and release the offense in your heart against you personally and not treat the offender as guilty because you've let it go. A sure sign that you have forgiven is when you no longer rehearse the offense against you over and over and over in your heart, and you're no longer bitter or angry about the situation. Even when it comes to mind, it has no ill effects on you whatsoever. That's when you know you're forgiven. Beloved, life is too short to be burdened down with the weight of unforgiveness, unforgiveness will bring ulcers on you. It will unforgiveness will bring migraine headaches. Unforgiveness brings fatigue. Unforgiveness brings loss of sleep. Unforgiveness brings depression. Unforgiveness hinders the healing process spiritually and physically. You know what? Un, you know what unforgiveness does. It consumes and depletes your energy. It consumes and depletes your energy. And finally, it steals your joy. You come to church, the Lord's house, you can't shout. You can't sing in a mass choir. You can't say amen. You can't pray for anybody. You can't encourage anybody. You can't do anything because your joy is gone. You're miserable. And you make everybody around you miserable. Because you got all that stuff in you. All that stuff in in you. As I close, you listen to this closing. You have absolutely nothing to gain from harboring an unforgiving spirit. Let me say it again. You have absolutely nothing to gain by harboring an unforgiving spirit, but you do have everything to lose. Therefore, allow the Lord to emancipate you from the bondage of unforgiveness so that you can enjoy your freedom in Christ. Christ died not that you would be in bondage. He died that you would be free. John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So if you know the Lord as your personal savior, why you're not experiencing freedom? I suspect it's because you're bitter, you're angry, you're sullen, and you're harboring unforgiveness to your own physical and spiritual detriment.
And all God's children said, let's pray. Father, thank you for the message. We love you. We bless you. We worship you. So much in it. Thank you for these messages on Jonah. And I pray, Father, that long after this message has been preached, that the word of God continually work in our hearts. Father, free us, emancipate us, rid us of the bondage. Father, those who are in prison, I pray you deliver them out of spiritual prison of unforgiveness and anger and controlling spirit. Lord, may these who hear my voice know that their presence today is no accident. You order their presence and you usher them into your house to hear this message at this appointed time. And I pray that they now respond and say, here am I, send me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Bible says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No add-ons. You can't add anything to the gospel. You can't take anything from it. You got to call on the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, a savior. I failed you. I've sinned against you. I believe in your death, your burial, your resurrection. I believe in your coming back again. Lord, take me as I am. I surrender my attitude, my anger, my meanness, my bitterness. I surrender my selfishness. I surrender everything to you. Lord, I, I surrender even praying out of your will because of not knowing the word which aligns your prayers my prayers with your will. I pray, Lord, that people realize that it is the will of God that they respond to this message and not leave like they came. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.